we are back. Um, sorry for the hiatus. And uh, we have Mr. David Baker with us today on the Modern Day Sniper podcast. Um, so it's been a while. If this is the first time that you're joining us at the Modern Day Sniper podcast, welcome, welcome. And just to let you guys know what we're all about. So the Modern Day Sniper podcast is uh, a podcast that's dedicated to the journey of the rifleman. Whether or not you're, you know, whether you're a hunter or you're an enthusiast, a competitor, or a professional sniper, we developed this podcast to give you the same information that we once thought all that we wanted, right? So it's for the constant student of the craft, and that's what we are, right? We're always learning, and we're always looking to uh, up the ante and see what is around the next corner when, it, when it's looking to figure out what's possible with a precision rifle. That's pretty much what this shit's all about. So what's up, David? Check. Check. Hi, ho. Man, um, the last one we had, we were down in Florida and that was a friggin' riot. So I'm glad to have you back on and it's a bummer that it's taken this long, but you know, that is what it is. We were just bullshitting before the, before the show recorded about how fast time just starts slipping by. It's already freaking almost June. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's nuts. Yeah, I, it it feels like it was just a, f a few weeks ago that you guys were on my podcast, and it's been when was that? When when was that? That was like the early February, like first early. week of February. Yep, that You're was a huge. Jesus Christ! Right? Yeah, yeah. So. It, and and I guess when you have kids and this time of year and everything, uh, I, I guess that's kind of uh, part of it. Is time does you know when you were kids? When you were a kid, time seemed like it stood still because you were looking forward on, to Christmas. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're looking forward to Christmas, looking forward to your next birthday, looking forward to the end of school, the summertime. And then, because it felt like, oh my God, this school year will never end. And then summer gets there and then, oh my God, it's like, I got to go to school again next week. And that's how fast <laughs> summer goes by. And when you're, yeah, when you're this busy and it, yep. yeah, it's crazy. And you know, the thing is, is like, you look at it and, um, it's all about your perspective and how you do look at it, right? Some people look at it and they're just like losing their minds about, you know, stress and it's hours are going by and it's like the, the sands of time are slipping through your fingers. But in reality, it's like, if you could just look at it and say, you know what, man, I get to take my kid to practice or I get to go do this. I don't have to, I get to. And it can completely shift your entire mindset, like of how um, how you think about things. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like, um, well, I, I had I'm I'm pretty fortunate because I have a uh, a perspective of when I was growing up and playing all the various. I've I've played literally every sport, um, and even it's like crazy off the wall stuff. Um, and my dad never got to come to my practice. I don't think he ever went to a practice of mine. And he went to very few games, but because he was working, he couldn't. He was, you know, running a business. And I'm sure he would have loved to have been there, but right. he couldn't be there. And at the time, I didn't know that. I thought dad just didn't come to my games. Mom came to my games, but my dad didn't. But looking back as an adult, retrospectively, I, I can see my dad was fucking busy and I'm fortunate enough and I'm, you know, cognizant enough that I'm 
going to make time to be at my, I've never, I've missed maybe one practice ever. Um, missed one. I missed a game this weekend because I was at a jujitsu seminar, but when it comes to like my son doing jujitsu, I'm always there because I'm one of the instructors for the kids class. There so you go. Right I'm, on. I've got to be there. So I'm, I'm participating in practice with him. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of parents out there that would kill to be able to be there mm-hmm. with their kids and stuff. And the people that have the ability to do it. And sometimes I've got to catch and check myself of that. Like, you know what, this is a, this is a blessing that I'm able to partake and be part of my son's hobby. The thing he loves to do, the things that he loves to do the most. And I, I have to, like you said, not take it for granted and get, look at it as though it is a, 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 um, uh, a blessing to be able to do that. Sure. Sure, man. Absolutely. Well, Philip and I were actually just talking about this not too long ago as well. I think it just comes with being, just comes with being parents, you know, trying to, trying to do, you know, trying to be there for your kids as much as you possibly can, you know, and, and be able to be yeah. part of their journey. So, but yeah, yeah like you said, man, like sometimes parents that could, yeah. And like, if you can, that's rad. But if you can't, it's like, dude, it is what it is, what it is. You got to do what you got to do. Indeed. Yeah. End of the day, they got to eat. Yeah. You know? No shit. That's <laughs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so David, you've been shooting much. Not as much as I'd like to have. And, yeah. uh, much as I, nor, not as much as I normally would would have at this time of year. I've only shot one or two matches so far this year, and I I'd made a, um, a declaration to myself last summer when I literally had uh, heat exhaustion and uh, got dehydrated at a match, and I was like, exhaustion. I will never. Yeah, I I, I was I was sick. Um, my vision. I was in the hotel. I didn't eat for like uh, 30 something hours. Cause I couldn't keep anything down. Yep. Um, I was, uh, like I said, my vision had gone to shit, a complete splitting headache. And I was like, I will, and it was partly my fault. Cause I drank a shit ton of beers the night before instead of water. <laughs> and it was 102 degrees, uh, day one right. and the hotel, I almost didn't finish day one. And then I literally almost didn't go to day two, but I did. And by I had gone to the hotel and drank a whole bunch of nasty ass Pedialyte, uh, just trying to put in as many fluids as I could. Man, I had like a splitting migraine, and I didn't start feeling normal until like the third or fourth stage of day two. And I said, I will never shoot an- unless I have to. I'll never shoot another match for between the months of like mid June to like end of August. And <laughs> now here I am, I'm probably going to be shooting matches in July. And August. <laughs> Dude. So maybe Phil, I don't know. Maybe you just got, maybe you just got super dehydrated, man, <laughs> or whether it was the Maverick sandwich or what. Phil got oh, so yeah, super I got, torn up I got fucking poison uh, or food poisoning uh, the, the second day of my PR two one class. And, um, Oh shit. Dude, so it's funny. Uh, on Saturday, the last day of the mat, uh, of the class, it was it was cool because we were actually able to have the students shoot a one day match that the um, host was actually uh, putting together here. So the first two days is training. The third day they get to participate in this one day match, which was just super awesome. 
And um, because we were shooting there all week, you know, uh, I had kind of had advantage in terms of like knowing where the targets were at, knowing where the winds, whereas like all the competitors that didn't come up, you know, so Pete, the host, like kind of challenged me like, all right, well, Phil, you're going to shoot all of this left-handed, like all support side. And I did, oh. but I only, I was only able to do six stages out of nine because the last three, I was just, I was just fucking completely out of it. I was running a fever and, uh, like it was just it was just bad and like at the same time i was trying to like coach these guys right uh my students through their course of fire and whatnot and uh anyways the scores came out and um he was like dude did you know you ended up you ended up still getting like 15th <laughs> out of 45 shooters and <laughs> and sure, uh, what, you, Rona? You, you only shot six stages i was like that's pretty cool <laughs> but uh yeah dude it was and then um Sports side. i didn't even like I was supposed to leave for Sunday for Montana the, the day afterwards, but I woke up and like, I was like, dude, I can't even get out of bed. I called Kaylin. He's like, all right, dude. He's like, whatever you do, <laughs> just you be, have here to be here by Monday afternoon. <laughs> Cause there's 18 <laughs> students and I was like, all right, I'll be there. And this was only about a four and a half hour drive for me, but yeah. uh, it was cool. And then I uh, got to do my first LE class with, uh, with Kaylin and uh, that, 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 Definitely gave me a, do, a whole new perspective with uh, law enforcement community, law enforcement cyber. It's crazy. I'm sure, we'll dive into that here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, copy that. Yeah, the most of the shooting I've been doing, I've actually just about 30 minutes ago, I shot a deer out of my window here. Um, nice. it, just out of your rifle and just out the window? Yeah, um, I'm on a, de a depredation permit here for the Dude. farmer behind that, that farms the land behind me. And so, I mean, does walk out and death rains upon them dude that is like <laughs> that is that is the ultimate freezer like it's just like a repetitive freezer filler that's badass yeah when you, you yeah you it's, it's pretty you cool I, I shot one no actually um I, there's so many to kill i don't have the freezer space for it so this year was actually the first year uh that north carolina allows a I mean, you can't really call it a hunter, but, uh, the person, a permit holder for the depredation permit, um, is the first year we're allowed to actually harvest a deer. It's always been shooting uh, to let them lie. Whoa. And okay. well, and see, I've always hated that because well, farmers, what they do is they don't want to run over the deer with their tractors. Sure. So they gut shoot them. And so they run into out of the field and into the woods to die. Well, that's a right. slow agonizing death. That's fucked up, man. I no, absolutely, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Now I'm shooting deer that I'm not harvesting because there's so many, but I mean, there'll be 35 deer out there in my, my field. I mean, there might be that many out there right now. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I did, I, I shot, uh, two the other day. And, uh, I was using those as, as coyote bait <laughs> and, um, That's I've pretty got much what it is, right? too. I mean, and look, it worked because literally the next day I was out there looking, I had this crazy shit, dude, like right. I mean, 40, 50 yards from my house here. I've just realized that day that I have a Eagle's nest with two, uh, a two, a breeding uh -huh. pair of bald Eagles. And they were literally like, munching on that deer all day for two days straight and they were taking it back up and feeding the babies in the nest 
And uh, but then old Wiley Coyote stepped out. Old Wiley, and I said, "That's that's my that's my cue," and busted his ass out there. And there's there's a few more out here that I got to take care of. But um, no, uh, she was so little; she wasn't even. I mean, hell, she barely had milk off her lips. But um, <laughs> but no, the more the, I get get a bigger one out here, and I've got a buddy that wants some deer meat, so um i'll i'll butcher one up for him and give it to him and then some for myself too but on that um my wild game processor here locally um if if you're ever if you're from north carolina even not from where i am but just north carolina at all you may have heard of stancil's wild game process and they're huge uh alan and susan stancil that own it uh are i mean salt of the earth people they tragically died yesterday in a plane crash Oh, he has a he has his own private plane, and they went to go visit their grandchildren. They make that flight all the time, and Dude. just a two like a small. I don't know if it's a Cessna or what, but they were coming in for the landing. Something went wrong, and they crashed and died. Which it it hurt my soul to hear about that and read that because I've known them for years, and uh, Miss Susan was as I mean sweet as pie, and you know and they're they're gone. So. The good news is that their fam- it was a really a family-run business, so their children will keep the business going because it's such a staple in the hunting community here. Um, that what they do is, I mean, the food, the 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 wild game that they process is fucking amazing. The they what just they got do. yeah, and they're high, super high quality. It is, and it's they can do anything and everything you want, and it, there it's a. But people go there and hang around the fire during deer season, like when they bring yeah. in their kills, they stay. It's it's like a, a yep. meeting place for hunters, Let's, and it, it's 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 a big blow to the hunting community that that happened. But um, it's you know, so my thoughts and prayers are out to the Stancil family. Man, that's crazy. It's like um, you know, I I I flew as a private pilot for a while too. And it is dangerous. Like you hear about crazy freak shit that happens. Um, and then you also hear about shit that happens that you're, and that you're like, well, you should have known better. You probably shouldn't have done that, you know, type thing. And it's bizarre because one, there's just like a, it's like a, a really bizarre addition of multiple uh, decisions that are made that lead to that actual event that happens. So it's not usually one thing. It's just like a string of, of incidents or decisions that come and the circumstances that come from those decisions ultimately contribute to the end result, which is just, it's tragic. Well, I mean, these, these big airliners and stuff, I mean, fuck, they about land their land themselves. And Pretty but much. these planes that these people that, you know, that, you know, a plane that someone like Mr. St. Allen Stancil could afford or a uh, hell even crop dusters or any kind of small prop plane, anything like that, even small turbo uh, engines. They, um, there's, you're riding a fine line of okay, like destruction or safety. And it takes, I mean, everything, the moons to align to get, you know, those landings and, and takeoffs just right. And, it, it's a lot different and that's why like man these people live in alaska and stuff that you know these bush yeah. planes and everything it that's why there's so many crashes that that happen every year in alaska because it's such a volatile 
thing the shit scares me to death thank god i'm not a pilot i mean I, no way i mean i was an f-15 engine troop so i worked on the f-15s but i damn sure didn't pilot them i could run them i mean we ran we ended engine runs and everything but my ass was more down and, and not going anywhere so you know i'll, I'll tell you man, a little bit it's nuts like even riding like jump planes at, like that's the most i'm always super locked on for the first 5,000 feet, man, until I get some altitude before I relax. Um, our buddy yeah. Cody Carroll, actually, um, he ended up bailing out of a plane, a jump plane in fucking Australia with a bunch of recon dudes. It's a story for another time, but like he sent me a text and he's like, Hey, I literally no shit bailed out of a burning fucking airplane in Australia yesterday <laughs> i was just like yeah well why wouldn't i was why wouldn't say, before you, you mentioned that why the fuck yeah, wouldn't you, you do that? that i was gonna say well what well what you do you're prepared for that kind of shit as long as it's not on the ground i mean oh, you're, hell no. you're ready to jump out anyways <laughs> dude i don't know man you need like you need some height above the ground man like the height above absolutely the ground is safe. yeah so oh the shit goes well, sideways while you're up there though you're ready to go oh yeah just go away get out Jump out. You jump out what you're, you, you're going to do what you were went up to do to begin with is I'm jump just, out of a damn I would plane. Be, I'd be least. watching the damn show the whole way down. Yeah. yeah and the like, thing is, at least happening. then you would not be jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Hey, You'd be jumping out of a perfectly bad airplane. As a pilot, point. I can tell you there's no such thing as a perfectly good airplane, period. End of story. There's always something <laughs> fucked up about that thing. Always. You're like, fuck, what the fuck? This thing doesn't ever fucking work. You're pushing buttons and shit. They don't. Ugh. I'm just kidding. No, no, thanks. <laughs> I thought about doing the, the skydiving thing too, because I mean, it look outside looking in, it looks fun. Like I, like that's something that I would, I'd like to do. I mean, before I die, I, I'd like to skydive and stuff. It's not like, no, why would you ever jump out? No, no, no that looks kind of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, and I don't mind, I'm not a person that's scared of flying either, but it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that have to go just right from the time you take off to the time your feet hit the ground, you know, under canopy, uh, safely, you know what I'm saying? So yep. <laughs> it's, yeah, point. I mean, I've heard horror stories of like static line jumps and I know it's completely different, but like I, that is something I never would want to do is static line. Yeah, like I think I'd want to do it once just because my grandfather was in the 82nd Airborne and he did the Normandy jump. My dad was too. <clears throat> and so I'm like, you know what? I should probably finagle my way somehow into, you know, uh, like a, like a, I, I would love to do it with that equipment. I think that would be badass before I, before I get to be too damn old and I break my mm. goddamn self. But <laughs> I would want to do it just once yeah. to experience yeah, it. Yeah, my dad. To be like, yeah, you know my what? dad was in the 82nd. You're a hard motherfucker <laughs> right now. Like that shit. Yeah. Doing nuts. it by choice. Yeah. 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 yeah and you're, you'd be doing it by choice. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, my dad was in the 82nd. He, um, he was in basic training and, uh, they came around and said, who wants to make an extra $75 a month? And my dad was like, this was way before I was born, but I have three older brothers. My dad's older shit. And uh, he said, uh, well, hell, I got three miles of feet. I'll do it. I didn't know what it was. And it's like, all right, come on. You're in 82nd and jump in the airplane. Go jump off his fucking tower. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He 
he was, uh, he was, um, getting close to separation and then, uh, like orders came down and they had, uh, if your enlistment date was from this date to this date, you're getting, um, re up to go to Vietnam. And it was three days prior to my dad. So my dad was by three days did not have to go to Vietnam. Damn crazy that's that's uh, i might not be here if that he had fucked around going to Mets or something that's the universe right there man that's the way that shit works yeah so what's going on tell me about some classes you guys haven't got going on oh well um april we had some here in yakima end of april into may we had some here in yakima and then um which was which was good we had some nuclear wins out there man we had we had a 101 uh, a 201, a positional clinic and a wind clinic. And they were all, you know, the, the wind out here does not ever disappoint. So, um, and we kind of got an early summer too. And it was like, it was like summer season hot out there. It was just, yeah, it can be. Phil's been out there in the summertime. It's pretty barren. It's pretty nasty out there. Um, but we then Phil, you taught some classes, uh, at a new facility in heart mountain, man. I think like I, I saw the videos and the photos of that, and I was seriously jealous watching that shit go down. It's like, man, I want to go shoot there. Yeah. The venue is pretty sick. You know, uh, a huge shout out to Pete, um, Knipe, a good friend of ours out here in Cody, uh, awesome shooter, but just a phenomenal friend. He, uh, hooked it up. He, with the uh, landowner there and he's been hosting matches there. And then, you know, uh, we've been trying to lock on a venue out here, at least the, the, the local shooting range, but um, they they were just asking way too much. And uh, Pete asked for a favor and um, he was like, Oh, I'm all about it. And it's been, yeah. So pretty solid. It's uh, relationship established there. Looking forward to do more cloud. There's the, the sky's the limit for uh, that venue, you know, we were just talking about this uh, at our MSTOA class is the level of training is dictated by the venue that you're shooting at. You know what I mean? Like you can only do so much on a flat range, you know, square Bay, right. Where it's just like, Hey, same direction of fire throughout the whole. Uh, Whereas like, if you've got, you know, access to land and, you know, potentially 270 degrees feel the fire. I mean, fuck training training opportunities are are endless as long as the creator you know has 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 a um interesting you know uh mind in terms of you know upkeeping yeah, vision that, yeah the vision of the course fire and, and that's why i love you know shooting matches out west it's funny i i also also just shot the enteral hunter and we shot in like the, this u format or this like u um of the uh of this venue uh, Kaylin, you, we we were yeah. we stayed on day one, right? So instead of going down all the way and shooting up the va- up the valley, uh-huh. so we we shot up the valley still. Like that was like the first half, and then um, there was a couple stages where you just turned around completely, like shooting towards Snake River. So yeah, you literally shot in this big U from the upper uh, part on like that. Yeah, we kind of like on the upper part. Yeah. So like as you're okay. hiking down, uh, as we were hiking down, yeah, just that, that area where we're hiking down as actually was the, uh, was the firing area. Cause you know, there was all those rock formations and stuff like yeah. that. So you, we would get staged behind a rock and essentially come out and run 25, 50 yards to the, you know, sh- shooting point and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. 
Um, but like when, when I see like square bait, like matches now, it's like, man, that's like child's play. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I do need to get over to the East coast and experience that I've never done it before. So I definitely need to see what that's all about. Like, Cause everything, everything over here, everything that I've ever shot has been like, you know, like almost field conditions in the sense of the terrain that's out there. Um, Hit it with some so, truth, David. You got a place to stay if you want to come out here. <laughs> yeah, I'm always down, man. How do, David, how would down. you how would you explain East Coast matches? <sighs> East Coast matches, and they can. It's like they're all can be different, but yet they're all the same to the point of. And this is like a question I've had. I've called Phil before. I'm like, Phil, I want you to talk me through some shit. Because I'm, and I'm not the only one that has that deals with the these issues. But like down here, and and Phil, you've shot frontline a couple of times, so I'm going to use frontline. I'm going to use it as an example, a little bit. So frontline defense is my home range. Uh, it's in Warren, North Carolina. Amazing, great facility. Paul Smith is a great match director, great guy. Um, where, where where are you at, and, North Carolina? Uh, I'm I'm in Greenville, North Carolina, and Greenville, the okay. uh, front line. Yeah, we're in, well. See, there's two. There's Greenville, South Carolina, and Greenville, North Carolina. So I'm in Greenville, North Carolina, and uh, front line is in Warrington. Uh, Got it. Okay. And uh, I'm it's a square up, range, right? but uh, it's got um, each stage is separated by maybe uh, I don't know six foot wide strips of trees that go down maybe roughly 200 to 300 yards. And then the, after past that it opens up. So all the targets are pretty open. Now there's a little bit of topography, but they're all open where the targets are. But in between each stage is lines of tr uh, rows of trees, right? So you, the wind, the wind at the shooter is never what's going on down there at the targets. And even though it is at, uh, it's a square range. Yeah. If you're on the far side over here, the and you're shooting the same direction, the, the far side over here, it's always, if it's not a, a, a switching, like a, a fish tailing head or tailwind, it's always left to right because there's a big block of trees over here. So wind's not going to push through that. It goes the other way, but you could be at the other side of the range and it is dead full value right to left, right? So my, my question to Phil has been, Phil, if there's nothing like uh, tall grass or anything like that of indication of what the wind is doing at the target, and you know for a fact it is different than what you're feeling, you can feel wind on your face and have flags on your tripod and it's blowing dead at you, but it's full value like right to left or left to right or whatever, right? I'm like, how do you combat that other than throwing a digger on your first shot and then just correcting off of that? And he's like, that's it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Like, how about Mirage? Just get lucky, I guess. <laughs> what do you guys have? Well, there Mirage. For Mirage yeah, we've oh, we've got oh, we've got Mirage, bro. Like, it's I mean, it's something out of Sahara. It's so uh, it's so humid here yep. that I mean, we are I mean, and during the summer, it's eighty percent humidity some days like it's i mean you can barely see the targets um and uh the problem is and i've seen this and you're gonna think i'm crazy but you know anybody who shot there will attest to this there are times to where 
your mirage, it is, is my, as clear as day that it is the mirage is moving right to left. Okay. Okay. Right in front of the target, it's moving right to left. So what would you do? You'd hold right side or, right, or side. right hold correct right. right. Nah, you got a left side hold. It, it, I, I, it, you and you can hit. You can you'll see the slash come off the target from the core of the bullet exploding, and you'll see it go to the right where the mirage is going left. And it's and this is at 500 yards, so it's not like it's a great big difference of uh you know distance between you and the target this can be a 500 in fact for what uh, example the 500 yard berm on the the short deck at frontline defense and so all your indications all your indications are telling you it's a right side hold until you shoot hmm. and then you see that and so i'm like how the fuck do you combat that other than just like i said shoot hold straight up and then just correct off of that you know i'm like so it's like a ten, it's, it's crazy ten stage match, and you know everybody's going to be down at least ten points, at least. Yeah, right. Because Your everybody's first round, burning one round to up. figure that shit out. Right. Unless you're running, unless you're yeah. running uh, uh, D tax at thirty one uh, thirty one hundred, like freaking yeah. Allison, just hold straight yeah. up. Oh, yeah, she's or, shooting thirty. She's shooting caliber blackjacks at thirty fifty. She's shooting um, D tax that fast too, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, she. Yeah, she, Allison I mean, comes and takes all of our lunch money. She won. She's won <laughs> two. Yeah, she won. She's won two matches down there already. That, that's that, good that, for her, that, man. That's her. That's her. That's her style of shooting, though. You know, you know we had we yeah. had a conversation about this too, and um, I think it's a good thing to discuss. It's it's like seeing that, like you, you know, we have that conversation. You're just like, okay, how how what's what's going on? What is what is there? What's what's to that? And what's the difference? And I personally think it's the way that Allison manipulates her rifle. A hundred percent. She just, she knows she, like when you watch how she runs her rifle, she runs her rifle, like, like she's manhandling it. I mean, that's the way she does it. And she moves it with purpose and intention and gets it where it needs to be. And she doesn't waste any time in between. And she just economy emotion. She's there. And that's the way, that's how you make up time. And like, even if you break it down and say, okay, this part of this, like this part of the process, I need, I need five seconds to move to the position. Then I need five seconds to build the position. Then I need three seconds to settle my sight picture. So that's 13 seconds, right? So when you, when you start like breaking that into stages, looking at how Allison manipulates her rifle, that's where her mind's at when she's training. Oh, that's a good, that's yeah, a good it's maximum efficiency. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. You know, mm-hmm. is, is breaking now your steps into time. Right. <clears throat> of like, all right, from, from breaking my last shot to getting out of that into, into. the next position. Right. So, getting out of the position is is one block of time getting into the next position is the next block of time and i would say the second that you put your face on the gun identify your target that is now your third block of time yeah so it's like if you and look you at the, the, go ahead go ahead david i'm sorry well i will say the the funny thing about that is is that is i i, I promise you is all true but that's what she does in training when she's on the clock, it's all subconscious. 
it's, oh, it's, that's it's, what it's I'm saying. Just, yes. It's just all built into her. She manipulates, mm-hmm. like you said, she manipulates that rifle like it's an extension of herself. Like it's not a, it's not a, a, a thing that she awkward. is holding. It's, it's not it, awkward. It's, it's her. A, yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Part of her. I, yeah, that's exactly. And, and so she, she nails all that down. She nails all that down in her training. And then when she's on the clock, uh, then I promise you she's hitting all of those bullet points or all of those, uh, you know, goals, if you will, and, and, and nailing them. And it shows in her score and like, she'll finish a stage that a lot of people are timing out on and she'll finish it with three, you know, five seconds, you know, 12 seconds. Yeah. Something like left that. remaining, you know, she could, she could fire another two shots if she wanted to. So that's, you know, um, Phil, you know, obviously, um, John DeFrance from Florida. Mm-hmm. So he's, he trained under, uh, Frank Proctor. Uh, David, you know who Frank Proctor is? I know Proctors. I know a bunch he, of Proctors. He's a, he's a Frank Proctor. Frank Proctor's a former Green Beret dude, but he's a, a USPSA grandmaster multiple times. And he's got a school um, down in Alabama. And I've always wanted to go to his course for handguns and carbines, but mainly for handguns because the guy is truly like you watch him shoot and it's, like you were saying that it, that that rifle is an extension of her. That's the same thing watching Frank shoot a pistol. It's literally just like a part of him. And he's just, he literally does not, I mean, on camera anyways, he literally does not miss. Right. And it's just like his smoothness. It's not that, I mean, his, he's so smooth that he's fast. He's wicked fucking fast, but he fucking hits everything he aims at. And it looks effortless or effortless well so, and it's i bet you it's slow for him like everything totally. is kind of almost like the matrix shit you know dodging the bullets or whatever <laughs> it's like everything is everything is like moving in mm-hmm. at a at a slow pace for him but we're looking at it with our you know our dicks in our hands like what the fuck was that like <laughs> he just flew through that shit but him is like yeah i, I could have cut a, a second or two off of that yeah. and you're like you could have done what and and yep. and so but that that's to me in my opinion that's dropped me i'm sure he's got millions of rounds of live fire down but i mean that that kind of like you said uh phil the economy of motion that is all is all gained in dry fire we we you know whether it be drawing you know drawing a pistol or running a barricade and stuff all that shit is i mean don't, i mean look i'm gonna turn around look there's a barricade and a rifle right there that I don't use as much as I should, but I mean, that's to help do that type of thing. And that's, that's where that's made. And then after that, for us, it becomes a wind call. Okay. So, okay. You know? Great point. Cause that's another thing we were talking about. Um, we had some, we had some, we, we actually kind of fucked up, man. We should have recorded all of our conversations that we had in Montana. Cause they could have been podcast episodes. We, we super fucked up on that, but what we were talking about was as soon as you acquire, as soon as the shooter, it doesn't matter whether it's, it's, it's gender neutral at that point. Once you acquire a sight picture, it's gender neutral. It, there is no, like from that point, right on to the next cycle of operations, meaning move with the rifle, build a position, all the shit like that that is no there's no difference between me there's no difference between you there's no difference between phil there's no difference between allison we all have fucking eyes we all have a brain we all have 
equal opportunity to train our neural pathways to do that task. So where like you look at that and you're like, okay, well, where is she, where is she able to get so far ahead? And it's in her economy of motion. It's the way that she runs her gun period. Cause it's all the same. Yeah. Or, or you look Follow at follow up say, through recall, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, and she doesn't make many mistakes. Right. And it kills me. And I mean, I love shooting my six creed more, uh, just because, I mean, I obviously hand load cause I shoot a dasher and 25 Creedmoor knot stuff, but I love shooting my six creed more simply because I don't fucking load for it. I just shoot factory ammo, but, uh, and yeah, of course there's a recoil difference between a dasher and uh, a six Creedmoor sure. But for anybody to think that you can't do, or you can't shoot a six, any, anything Creedmoor related, uh, six, six, five, 25, whatever. And, and do this game, you've got a girl, a, you know what, she's 16 now, 16-year-old girl weighs 100-nothing pounds, run, like you said, feel 115-grain bullet at 3,100 feet per second, and I promise you, she sees everything after she pulls that trigger. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's nothing she misses, like, as far as vision, like, she sees and catches everything. And that's and that's the and, thing with Frank is that it's a visual thing, just like you're saying. It's a visual thing up to that point. And that's gender that's gender neutral though. You can train anybody to do that. Right. Yeah. Imagine cool what she see. would do with like a BRA or, or something like that, you know? <laughs> we yeah, we've had that same conversation too. It's just like, hey, what's where's the separation? What's the difference between the six creed more and a BRA? What's the difference? Well, I don't know that there would be anything different, honestly, thinking there, about there, it. I mean, there is. obviously she yeah. is not so having a problem. No, no, yeah. no. So what Philip is saying is that there, there is, mm-hmm. um, go for it, man. Cause you say it, well, you say it really, really well. Yeah. So, you know, with a six creed because of the, your recoil, the recoil impulse of the six creed and how fast that bullet is, is traveling, your ability to recover from recoil. Uh, doesn't get you to where you're able to really spot your impacts closer than let's say uh, I'm going to say like 350 yards, especially when you have those targets like those prairie dogs or those super small ones where the dirt impact directly behind it. Right. And you, you shoot and you just see dirt fly, right? Not because you didn't see where your impact, but that bullet was traveling so fast and you're still recovering from the process of that recoil that you're just like, man, was that off the left or the right with the BRA? I mean, even at 300, 300 yards, you can see that bullet trace as long as you build a solid position, go all the way to the target. And that, and that, yeah. that is what I've noticed with the, with the difference between a BR and a, um, with a Creed. I mean, granted like 400 yards, it, it really I mean, doesn't matter. But the, the advantages to the six Creed has one instance over a BR variant which is not as much wind at the, at the, at the farther distances. Right. But you know, yeah, yeah. I, I say that the, the consistency and just the overall accuracy of the, the BR cartridges is, is why, you know, for top level competitors, it's the cartridge of choice. No, I, and I agree. And, and not to mention, there is something to be said of the, just the, inherent accuracy of that cartridge the efficiency of that cartridge sure um but my my and i hear you and i agree with you, especially if i'm the one shooting it 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? But and my point to, to my point to that was, I mean, she's running that six creed better than guys are running those six BRs. Oh, yeah, 100%. It could either be – it's either she is uh, – could elevate herself to the next level by switching to a BR, which, I mean, shit, I mean, her dad loads for her. I mean, all he has to do is just change dies and brass and barrel, and that's it. Uh, or it – you know, the way she runs that rifle, maybe she sees everything that she needs to see in – and everything. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't see through her eyes and, and her, her, her mind's eye, but she's, uh, I mean, she's fucking, she's raping grown ass men on, on the regular. <laughs> and I, I love it. Look, when, when she, I'm shooting a match that she's at, I'm like, all right, the best I could do is second place. And, uh, <laughs> and I, and I said, I, and I hope she wins. Like I want her to win every match she fucking enters in because that is, so kick ass and i want to get her on my podcast i've been wanting to do it but i want i want her and her dad both yeah. to be kind of like the three of us right now i want the both of them on there because i want i, I want to get him on there and be like hey look obviously you did something right with getting your kid shooting and getting her shooting well I've got a kid now much younger than her, but I mean, <laughs> how the fuck you, did you do that? <laughs> tell me the way, I, you know, show me the way. And I, cause I want to do that, you know? And then, you know, yeah, so, and I think it's be appropriate to have her father on with her because she's a young, young lady. So, um, what's cool is actually they're, they're both avid listeners of the podcast. So hello, Frank and hello, hello, uh, <laughs> um, right. Allison. Uh, but I talked, I did talk to Frank, uh, when I was out in uh, Ohio and, um, one of the things that stuck out to me was that she actually, they started, especially with her, she started uh, shooting off of a sling um, on that sling stuff. It was like, like iron sights, right? Back when she was like, I want to say yeah. 13 or 12. And like when the high we were, power stuff, yeah, high power. Like when we were talking, he's like, dude, like her grasp and understanding of natural point of aim, right. Is is so sound because of the fact that she did learn sling. off of a sling, oh, yeah. you know, and it's like, holy crap. So it's like, you, it's like almost having to like dig up old training techniques for, for, you know, especially as a, as an instructor in the space to for ha having our students be like, Hey, this might sound like unorthodox, but it's absolutely correct. Because like, that's how I learned, right. Uh, uh, it, natural point of aim is off of a sling on an M uh, M16. But now we're so spoiled with bipods and driving the gun that, you know, it, it does set it up for us a lot. But still, if you're, especially when you're shooting off your belly, it's super important to take the time to check your natural point of aim so you can minimize your wobble zone. And that is where Allison, especially when you watch her move, uh, when she transitions, it's all with her, the parts of your body that dictates your natural point of aim mm -hmm. which is your your lower body yeah and then the 22 the 22 stuff too like she got you know before she ever shot her first center fire prs match she already shot quite a few i don't know how many but quite a few uh like nrl 22 stuff and uh i mean that that's i mean in of itself is a sport obviously and you talk about wind calls being you know critical i mean shooting subsonic 22 stuff yeah that is and, and then shooting targets literally this big um you know that that i mean sets i think in my opinion of a coupled with of what you're talking about the the high power stuff it sets a perfect foundation for someone 
growing up, you're learning it the right way instead of learning it the wrong way than having to go unfuck yourself uh, when you find out, you know, the better, better routes to do that, you know? Uh, you know, I had so a guy. It's uh, <clears throat> so impressive. I had a guy, actually, it's funny that you say that, you know, reach out to me and, you know, he was messaging me about, like, man, I played the game. Like, I'm trying to play the game. I've done the weight kits, the freaking, the, the gamer plates, the tuners. And he's just like, still, he's like, he's like, I still can't break, you know, that, that mid pack, you know, like my best finish is like 25 out of a hundred at best. Right. And, um, you know, he's, he's like, I'm slowly gravitating away from relying on all that gear and like going back to the basics, but it's such a, it's so hard because I've been so reliant on this equipment, you know, that it's like, you know, he's like, he doesn't know where to start from. And, and I was like, dude, like, I mean, as, as silly as it sounds, like it's, it's just fundamentals of marksmanship, man. Like there's yeah. no advanced things about, and, and, and when I teach in our PR 101 and 201, like especially at 201, you know, we start, we shoot nothing but off our belly. Cause the only thing that they shoot on their belly for is to check their zero uh, in the morning. And I'm like, Hey, after that, we're shooting off, of, uh, off of our stomach. And it's like, dude, there's no difference between me shooting off of the prone than, than I'm shooting the standing, you know, it's the same shit. Breathing all still applies. Your natural point of aim all applies bone support, muscle relaxation. The only thing I have now to compensate for and to understand is that I have a lot more wobble in the standing, kneeling and sitting than I would traditionally in the prone. Sure. Yeah. The biggest difference is, is how far away you are from the ground. Yep. Yep. You know, I mean, and, and that I, th I think the positional stuff, whether it be for the sport aspect or, uh, LEO, um, dot gov, whatever, I think off the belly stuff is, it just needs to be, it needs to be, um, centered on more than it, than it may be, you know, or has been in the past. And, uh, I mean, I mean, you could teach my wife, my wife has never before, before last summer, the only firearm she had ever shot was about seven years ago. I had convinced her, and this was my dumbass fault. She's never shot a gun in her life, period. Loves the fact that I love guns, but she's just scared of guns. You know what I'm saying? She loves that I have them and loves that I love them. She just doesn't want anything to do with them. I was like, you know what, babe? I'm going to break you of that. And uh, you're going to shoot, and I'm, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pick the absolute worst gun you will ever shoot in your life and after you shoot it one time you will know from here on out everything you shoot will be 10 times better and easier than this one that was not the right way to do it but this is what i did <laughs> i took my i took my 18 inch um maverick 88 12 gauge pump shotgun and put two and three quarter inch buckshot double up buckshot in it and i said all right just shoot it in the air <laughs> hold it tight and she shot it everything hit her in the chin it didn't like I mean, she had a scope so she didn't get you know a ring out or nothing but it hurt her chin and then she was like fuck no i want nothing to do with guns i'm like fuck this did not go the way i wanted it to and so okay so fast forward to last summer we have her cousin here who also had never shot a gun before we're out here and we had been you know drinking a little bit not much but enough <laughs> they got some liquid courage and i said tiffany 
do you want to shoot that target back there at 550 yards? She said, yeah, I'll try it. So I went and got my AI with factory six creed ammo. And I got behind my binoculars looking at a little bit of Mirage. I said, okay, see that little small right little mark on the right hand side of the center car. Yes. Yeah, I said, put that dead center of that plate first round impact. Bong. And so my wife was then like, cause her cousin did. She was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that too. <laughs> first, first round impact at 550 yards. I know grown ass men that have hunted their entire lives that can't do that. That's guess good. what? That's very they true. were prone. They were prone on their bellies with a, you know, $7,000 rifle with, you know, all this stuff. And it became easy. Now, if that's the case, then the people who's who to pull the trigger for sake of life, safety, justice, whatever you want to call it for any of those jobs. If my wife who's scared of firearms can do that prone, we need to make sure that they can obviously do that prone, but they need to go way far and beyond that to have just readiness capability and i mean to for any type of situation to be like you guys do with your your law enforcement guys y'all love tripods right oh yeah tripods are huge look how easy is a tripod to to pack away in a go bag or in the trunk of their squad cars or whatever if you get gangster off of a a tripod you can shoot anywhere in the world in any situation Mm mm-hmm I'd be okay if they literally all their quals were off a fucking tripod. I mean, just me thinking out loud, you know, <clears throat> just shoot everything off a tripod. If you can do that, you're good. So that's because that's you actually, can have that shot all the time. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things that we started talking about with <clears throat> our law enforcement courses. It's just like, okay, what is a basic skill? What's a, what's the difference between a basic skill and an advanced skill? Okay. So you got a dude that is on a SWAT team and he's like, Hey, I want to go do the sniper thing. Okay, cool. Let's go do the sniper thing. He gets on the team. However, that happens. Usually it's a seniority thing with a lot of, a lot of SWAT teams. It's like, Hey, you can't be in that role unless you've been on um, the team for a minimum of whatever, five years, two years, whatever the case yes. is. Same with, same with canine as well. When okay. I used to train canine and stuff. Yeah. It's really, it's the same thing. You can go one way or the other canine or sniper, you know? Sure. Okay. So then these guys, they get on the team, they get on, they get on the sniper debt and then they, most of them will do on the job training uh, until they get a chance to go to a basic course right? Of some sort, whatever, whatever uh, organization is providing that, whether it's their criminal justice training commission or an outside organization like modern day sniper, whatever it is. Um, And then there's, and then there's departments that say, Hey, you cannot occupy this billet until you have this certification. So there's one, one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of like standards. So but tripods, you look at it and you're like, okay, so this basically trained sniper, he's got 50 hours. Most of the time, it's 50 fucking hours of training, right? To say, here you go, man. You can go respond to this, this call with this weapon system and have this level of responsibility after 50 hours. Okay. That's nuts. First and foremost, that's insane. That's pretty fucking crazy. Um, but 
that new guy that just has that 50 hours, he could be expected to respond to the same complexity situation that a guy with 10 years, five years experience, right? So what is the difference between a basic skill and an advanced skill when it comes to the law enforcement sniper aspect of things? Because most departments can't cherry pick their team leaders or their teams and be like, yeah, you're kind of a boot. You know, you're, there's no (laughs) fucking way in hell I'm going to send you on that shit. So no, you're, you're fuck. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're going on that shit. Like, no, like most of those guys, there's only like four or five dudes that have that qualification on their team. Unless of course you're a full-time team, which everything is different at that point. So we were like, Hey, what's the difference, man? What's the difference between a basic and an advanced dude? Right. At that point in time, what is it? And we looked at it as, you know, time standards and target sizes, you know, that's, because the skills are the yeah, same. Yeah, being able to – yeah, my, my opinion would be if you were to ask me what is the difference, my response would initially be, but who the fuck am I? What do I know? But it would be the ability to perform the basic skills in a shorter amount of time and under much higher pressure. Sure. Yep. I mean, we're not – you guys aren't teaching cops to shoot, you know, these – anything absolutely crazy, stupid loophole shit or, you know, the curving a bullet around a building or anything like that. No, it's what makes it count the most is the, uh, the, the, um, uh, pressure around said task. If you said, Hey, there's a paper target out there at 400 yards. That's eight inches wide. I need you to hit it. Yeah, most of them could probably at 400 yards hit an eight-inch target off of a tripod or prone or whatever. But you go and have a person standing in front of it that is who is – that's a Mm no-shoot. Now hit hit that eight-inch target at 400 yards. Just you can't kill the person in front of it. That is what will separate a basic from an, an advanced skill. Yep, is the agreed. is the gravity of the situation <clears throat> agreed and then you look at it and you're like okay well you know that same dude he could be faced with that same situation you know what i mean like so um and then we you know it's like you try to tell them it's like hey man at the end of the day that is your decision at the end of the day it's your decision whether you make that or not or whether you decide to press the trigger or not um and because, uh, you know, another perspective, because I think a lot of guys in this world are just like, they think that when that bolt action rifle gets put into your hands, that it, it changes, the game changes. And it really doesn't. It's just, a, it's a rifle, right? So like if you're a cop and you're responding to whatever call you have, you know, you could have a pistol, you could have a rifle and a shotgun in your car. Well, who decides, who decides what you're going to use? right? You do situation. Yeah. You're just like, Hey, fucking dudes in a house and I got to go fucking he's in there doing whatever it is. And I'm not going in there with just a pistol. Fuck that. Right. So you get to make that choice based upon that situation and the snot and a bolt action rifle with a scope on it is just another weapon system that has a capability to end a, end a situation in a, in the same way, but just with a different level of capability. 
right? So it's not like this magic wand yep. that gets Absolutely. fucking waved over something. It's just another platform that you're trained in, in how to use. That's fucking it right there. It's just another yeah. fucking weapon system that you're trained in how to use. Yeah, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a, it's, it's a tool. Do you need a hammer? Do you need a screwdriver? Do you need a drill? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you pick the right one for the job. What what do you think of that, Phil? What do you think of that week of training from you know the 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 sniper perspective of things, understanding what a law enforcement sniper does? Well, so the the very first thing that I've always even said this is my def my definition of basic is a lot different than their definition of basic. Totally. In your definition, I would say our definition of basic is definitely their different different. Uh, you know, like and. And that's why like we almost have to now dumb it down to even like an intro to like precision rifle or intro to like uh, just lo- like understanding how your rifle works, this right? This is how it works, right? Yeah, it, like the, these are the certain things you can do with your rifle in terms of user level maintenance, right? Remember uh, Colton said he was working on a guy's gun and mm-hmm. the guy was like, oh, you can't do that. And I remember when I went down to rifles only and Jacob and oh, I was like Tony Burks was uh, mounting my optic because it was fucking the level, it wasn't leveled in the rings, and he started unscrewing shit. And in my head, I was like, "Hey, man, you oh. can't do that. You can't do that." You know, <laughs> you fucking- that's because the Marine Corps scared the shit out of you guys. The armorer said, "If you touch this thing, you're it, fucking dead." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you're gonna fucking get NJP'd. <laughs> and, and and so like you know, it's like almost it, it's sad as it sounds, but just because there's no standard in any law enforcement agency like you 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 don't know what you're gonna get man like because when i was doing the basic code so the way we ran it um is i ran majority of the time the basic portion before we actually combined them together so like there was the first two days i ran all the all the basic guys and i had a guy that was brand freaking new like he's like man this is my first time on a bolt gun the only thing that i've done behind a scope rifles all my hunting rifles and this is just completely new to me. And then we had a couple guys that had fucking Springfield scopes on them with yeah, MOA, tu- MOA turrets and a mil dot duplex. Like I, I haven't seen a Springfield scope in fucking many moons, bro. Where, yeah, where the fucking parallax or the, the, the focus it's the parallax was is on the objective. Objective lens. On the objective up front, yeah. And the fucking scope base is fucking mounted, is uh, welded on and shit, dude. It was fucking crazy, right? <laughs> Thank, thankfully. I had an SKS like that. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully those two were about like, five, like Helen Keller. It looks like Helen Keller welded it with her ass drunk. It was so <laughs> fucked up. I mean, it was... <laughs> dude, so true, right? And, and, and so like it, it, like I said, it opened my eyes to like, all right, you know, and, and honestly, it, it like, it, it made me feel good about what we were trying to do at modern day snipers in terms of like bringing information, relevant information in terms of like, Hey, this is, this is what you are. You should be expected to know as a sniper. I think Kaylee touched on it earlier, you know, a, a barber in order for them to get certified to oh, yeah. cut hair is 1200 hours to 1200 hours for you to have a goddamn license to cut license fucking hair, bro. cut hair. And I, what's, like, hours. what's the basic, and, and again, this is not a stab at, at, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement sniper, it's just something to put in perspective. Yep. It's like a law enforcement sniper well, typically goes through I, a five day sniper school, basic course. Right. And, and nothing, 
Yeah, it's 50 hours. And then another thing that I was talking to, you know, as they were all kind of talking and I was just eavesdropping, is like, you know, they were kind of talking about their basic quals and every, again, every agency is different. And every one of the basic snipers went through different quals. Like, oh yeah, we just stayed at a hundred and shot uh, in the prone with no bag. And we had to produce a one MOA group or some shit like that, you know? And, and I was like, holy fuck, you know? Whereas like, you know, our riflemen, a, a, a PR 101, you know, they go through five different evaluations or events for the whole evaluation. They show us how to zero the rifle. Um, and then they, uh, you know, do a 21 dot drill and then they, uh, understand, they show us how they, um, essentially true their solver up with their actual gun, do a known distance and an unknown distance course of fire. Right. And, um, you know, it's not yeah. really, it's well, not really a qual. It's just an evaluation to see where they're at in terms of basic skills of a rifleman. Well, you got to kind of look at it from, for what it is, man, because yes, we're talking about a sniper billet in law enforcement, but you have to look at it as a whole, as, as law enforcement, as a whole, uh, departments the, this, the, this same problem is not just in SWAT sniper billets. Yeah. This same problem, it goes across all aspects of law enforcement training because I mean, how we had, for example, we had an active shooter here in Greenville uh, a few years ago and long story short, um, when law enforcement responded to the guy with the gun in his hand, if I'm not mistaken, over 70 shot, there was like four or five officers there all drew down on him. 70 shots were fired. The Bama was hit four times. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. So how often do they have to qual with their pistols? The thing that they're carrying around everywhere they go every day that they're on duty, like what, once a year and they got to do what hit a, a barn at, at 12 yards. So, and that's the problem. And it's because you know what it is, it is budget. <clears throat> you know, who, 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 right. Who, who co controls what the training and the, uh, the qualifications are is the Bama's writing the checks. That's mm -hmm. the problem. If they took law enforcement more serious, if they took it seriously as far as their their the qualification of their officers who are sworn to protect and serve, they would be like, hey, look, we actually should ask for a higher level of proficiency in everything. And you know what? The majority of the officers would love it. They would enjoy the training. They would enjoy feeling more prepared, whether it be a law enforcement sniper, whether it be an everyday bead cop with a, a Glock on their side. And they would all probably love to be a little more proficient. But guess what? They don't have endless amounts of ammo to shoot. They don't have endless amounts of time to do. They're working 12-hour shifts, you know, sometimes 60 hours a week. And they don't have the, 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 the cut-out, builded time to be able to get that training in. You can also go past firearms and just like subduing a suspect. That's why we have what we have and what we see in the media nowadays is because guess what? These cops aren't fucking trained. They don't know that they're outlawing chokes. I get choked every day. I would much rather be choked than shot or tased or OC sprayed, but guess what? It's not in their training anymore. Uh, a cop would may not feel comfortable <clears throat> in his own skin to go hands on. Not all cops, because I, I we train with a lot of cops too. But 
that they don't feel comfortable in their own skin to go hands on. They want to go to a tool. Well, what happened here recently? Right. A girl went <laughs> to a tool thinking it was a taser and it was a damn gun. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that th this same this is a problem that isn't just in the law enforcement sniper community or any other sniper community. This is can be law enforcement or military. You guys know, you guys Marine Corps snipers. How much ammo a year did you get to practice? Were you given and allotted to practice with throughout a year in, in the Marine Corps Scout Sniper Unit? If you weren't going through a school, right? If you weren't going through no, a school, no, no school. Anything, is, like if you're just, just training, regular active dude. I would say probably less than 200 rounds a year. I shoot that in a in a day. Yep. When I'm shooting. Yep. I'm with you, man. Now, how perf so right. my that's what another thing that my hat goes off to these uh Marine Corps scout snipers. I'm friends with a ton of third group Green Beret uh ODA snipers. The you may know some of them, Dan Posey, um, Bryce Yurt. These are all really good competitive shooters. These guys and their units, because they're in a tier one unit. They they have orders to go shoot matches. They they everything is paid for for them. But there's also guys that aren't uh, that don't have aren't lucky enough, fortunate enough to have orders to do these civilian matches. That take it upon themselves out of their own damn pockets, which we all three of us know we're all veterans. We didn't get paid shit when we were in. But th and this is one of the most expensive games that you can play as a civilian, really. Yep, uh, they take it upon themselves to go and better themselves outside of what they're allotted by their command. And that, that, that my hat is, is so off to those guys. For sure, and I man. appreciate them because you know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> and that's where all this is needs to be. Instead of let's spend a department spending money in diversity training or fucking critical race theory. How about we make our officers safer by making them more lethal? They're going to do what they need to do to the people that need to do it in proper training, or maybe not be so quick to go to the, the Batman belt instead of maybe go hands-on and let's do some jujitsu training or let's do some more hand-to-hand -hand combat or de-escalation training or whatever. Let's do that instead of spend money on this other shit and let's make that's, let's make real change. Right. I mean, yeah. cause that's what the whole country wants. That's and true. They just don't know how to get it. That's very true. That's I, I can tell you're super passionate about that. Rant that's, over with. Sorry. No, it's good. That's good stuff. I am, that's, dude, cause I'm fucking, I'm fucking tired of, of this shit. Of now, look, my my uh, relationship with law enforcement is such a mixed bag because I have so many cop friends that I know are. I mean, they're doing God's work, and they are good cops. They're, they're not, these are good people, but then again, also know that they're also the right hand of the government as a whole. Cops, you know, so it's it. I, I, I cut them slack when they deserve it, and I don't cut them slack when they don't. When cops mess up, I'm gonna point the finger, say you are held to a higher standard. Now, because you're held to a higher standard, you should also be given higher training. This is true. So that finger goes up to their superiors. That's your fault, not his fault. That's your fault. Derek Chauvin in, in uh, George Floyd trial, guess what? He was taught to put the knee on the neck. Whose fault is that? Is that Derek Chauvin's? No. That's the people making the, making the decisions up there. You know? They don't want to choke him, but they'll put their knee on his neck. It, it it's, it's all comes to that. It all comes in really what it comes down to money and, and your political uh, um, convictions as far as, Oh no, 
We don't want to do that. We don't want to choke anybody. No, I, I, I choke my son in jujitsu. I mean, <laughs> I, I love him more than anything. And I choke him when we're doing jujitsu. <laughs> You're okay. He's okay. You know what I'm saying? The, the, this, this isn't a problem. The problem is, is where the money is allocated and where the priorities are allocated. And to my, my opinion, the, the brass and chrome in, in law enforcement nowadays is not being allocated where it needs to go. Sure. And, and this includes the sniper billet. Like you yeah, said, 50 hours, 50 yeah. hours. I've taken that, that long dumps that long in the last year. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, so we, it, it's, I did I a survey. Was, I did a survey once I wrote an article for uh, do you remember when sniper magazine was out? That, that magazine lasted like four, I think four or five years. Um, but I wrote an article in that magazine it, 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 talking about the average time that a law enforcement sniper has to train every month. It's eight hours. The average is eight hours. <clears throat> That's all you get, man, a month. So, you know, then that leads us into talking about it, when, when we teach our classes now, I ask us, all of our professional classes, um, especially law enforcement guys, um, I want to know what they believe that the definition of their job is like, Hey, what, what is a law enforcement sniper, right? What is your definition? What defines your job, right? So if you don't know what defines your job, then you can't really understand what your goal is, right? What your mission is. And then after that, I'm, we ask them, Hey, what is, <clears throat> what is the, your mission, write out your mission statement. And then at the very last question it's hey what is it what does it mean to you to be a volunteer right and and we just pose those questions to them because we i want them to think about that and uh, those three questions because the the first two kind of co correspond with one another right they once you ask one you kind of have to ask the other and then the, the third one being what does it mean to be a volunteer it's like what sparked that is i had a guy in a class say um, he wasn't going to get a tripod <clears throat> because his department wouldn't buy, buy it for him. And I was like, okay, all right. So I can see you're either like just standing there to make a statement or you don't understand what it means to be a volunteer. One of the two. So what is it? Now, so, you know, it actually helps because it gets guys thinking. It gets them to, because because then we, we read them in front of the course, in front of the class, and people have an opportunity to go, oh, like, that's what he thought it was. That's what he thought it was. That's what I think it is. So maybe we should probably get together on this and figure this shit out. Like, what is this? Like, what are we all supposed to be doing? Right? So hopefully it's spawning some sort of like community conversation that's like hey man like yeah there is no just trying to raise awareness of saying hey there is no definition there is no mission and there is no standard across the nation for what they do yeah i tell you what if you are a billeted law enforcement sniper and you don't have a tripod simply because your department won't issue you one and you need one and don't Thank have the you. funds to do it hit find me Hit yep. me up. I, that one right here. I've got a hog saddle, 0311 tripod. I will fucking send it to you. I swear to God. I will I send that it to another you. cop. If you, I, he called, I, I was posting a, I posted something with an old Manfrotto tripod and he was like, Hey, I'm looking to buy a tripod. Like what's the deal? Blah, blah, blah. He asked me all these questions. I was like, you know what, motherfucker? 
what's your address? I'll just send this shit to you. And he was like, what? Yeah, I mean, what the seriously, fuck? if you can prove to me, yeah, if you, yeah, if you're, you're a asking the fucking sniper questions. and they will not send you one, I will fucking send you one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I use it. I got my damn binoculars on it right now. I look through it every day on my window and my, my sniper's nest here. So you can go and I, I will babies. fucking send it to you. I got another one. I'll send it to you. Yeah, man. That's exactly what I told him. I was like, hey, dude, you're asking all the right questions. Merry Christmas. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and you know what? I know there's cops out there like that. And I know there's there's military that's like that. I mean, there's there's I mean, unless you're tier one, a tier one unit. I mean, the the, the equipment that you're issued is most of the time shit. Everyone thinks it's, 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 it's mil spec military grade. That means it's probably shit. <laughs> if it says mil spec on it i mean but from triggers to rifles to tripod it's probably a piece of shit yep um if you if if you need that if one of y'all need that shit y'all let me know i love that tripod and i use it today but i will let that go if that means it it increases the efficiency and it could one day maybe make the difference between a life or death situation motherfucker i'll send it to you i don't give a shit yeah <laughs> Yeah, man, for sure. Y'all, y'all comment in the modern day sniper. Uh, yep, we'll pass uh, on the world comments and say, Kalen, get me David Baker's information. He will send it to you, and I and uh, I'm gonna vet you, and then I'm gonna send it to you. No, you know what? Just email email Kalen at moderndaysniper.com and just title it MDS Podcast Episode 44, David Baker, and I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. And then, then uh, subscribe to the Just F and Senate podcast. Yep. <laughs> Download. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I I thoroughly enjoy our conversations, dude. I really do. I always it's do. Always good. With you, you too. And yeah, Phil, I'm still holding all of your trophies you won here hostage. I know. I need to. I'm still holding it hostage here. Well, I'll be. How many well, has he Kaylin, got? Kaylin How many has he got? I got three, right? One, two or three that weekend here. I think it's, I don't know. They're still in the box. They haven't moved in a year. They're right over there. Kayla and I need to come out and and we'll shoot a, yeah, we'll we'll shoot a match out there. And yeah. So before we go, I want to bounce something off you guys. No, no, no. It's not no rush. No rush at all. I've been thinking about it for a while. I've been waiting for the right opportunity and to, to bring this up um lately and i think this is a great opportunity here on the podcast with you guys i was thinking about and i'm a big dreamer type guy like i'll think of some grandiose idea i'm just not the guy to make shit happen i'm the i'm the dreamer and someone else is the doer right i would like to do a and you call it what you will does i but basically the theme of it would be like a a podcast match like sponsored by the modern day sniper, the just F Senate podcast, uh, the everyday sniper, uh, the rifles only podcast accuracy podcast, you know, with Jacob, Frank, you guys, me and have a match somewhere. And we all show up and have fun. I don't, we shoot it or don't shoot it. We, shoot from squad, go from squad to squad to shoot with everybody involved, drink beer, fucking cook a pig, damn, sit around a fire, tell lies and, and shit, whatever. I think that would be so much fun. That wouldn't would it? Be like, it's like listen for listeners and all that shit. It sounds be like, fun. 
it definitely sounds like a like a a normal a normal day at at uh, at rifles only for sure. <laughs> That's the way Jacob rolls. I think it could definitely. Have, yeah, yeah, that would be I cool. Agree. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, and have like a cool. t-shirt made for the guy, the competitors with like all of our logos on it and shit like that. I think that'd be kick ass. So let's see if we can talk Jacob into making that happen. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, man. And Frank. Yeah, Jacob it. and Frank. Get them two guys together. We would – yeah, that would be fun. That would be a shit ton of fun because <clears throat> we're we're actually – we're headed back down to Rifles Only uh, in December. We're going to do a 101 and a 201 down there. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah, man, it'll be good. Is, that, is Jacob going to be involved with that? Yo, yeah, yeah, Is he going to sure. be part of the class? Yep, for sure. Yep. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, man. He, we we went down. So if you there. haven't signed up for it, go sign up. For yeah, it. man. Get get yourself on the roster. That one's going to fill up quick now that we're starting to talk about it. Um, we had a great time down there with some Marines um, from San Antonio, and just being down there for a week with with Jacob was just badass. It's just a, it's great to see to hear his perspective and and think and see through his lens. Um, and it was great to be training with the with the Marines and. Um, you know, saw some faces that I hadn't seen in like 15 years. So that was pretty cool, but But, looking forward to going down back to, back to Jacobs. Yeah. I've had Jacob on my podcast two or three times and it's always, and and still, I I still, when I'm sitting across this computer from him in a Skype interview or whatever, I feel, I mean, I, I, I still feel the sense of like reverence for like what he's done for this community. And I, I, I'm like, you know, like, Oh yeah, you're <laughs> King, you know, and, and it's, it's awesome. And then, you know, I, I, I love having Jacob on and um, yeah, I think that would be kick-ass. Um, I'd love to just one of his classes with you guys down there, just, just to sit, be a fly on the wall. I would, I would enjoy that. Um, it, it sounds like a blast. So mm-hmm. especially full of a bunch of pipe hit Marines or, or something like that, that would be so kick-ass. So, crayon eating Marines. Um, the, I, I don't know. <laughs> crayon eating pipe hit Marines. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know if, if the, you know, these young Marines that are taking these courses, if they really understand when they're taking these courses, who they're taking them from really. You know what I'm saying? Like who, who they, if they understand, you know, and, and like you two are like Marine Corps royalty now. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you are. Quit shaking your fucking heads. So <laughs> I, I don't know if the, these guys are, they are like literally sitting back and be like, okay, we're, I'm taking direct instruction from some of the best to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I know that I've been in this game long enough that I, I know when I'm, you know, shooting with Phil of who, like, you know, the type of, you know, skill level that I'm shooting, knowledge that I'm shooting with. And I haven't had the, the opportunity to shoot with you yet, Caitlin, but, uh, you know, I know, I know who I'm talking to when I'm, when I'm sitting here across from you and, and, and same with Jacob too. I mean, Jacob is, is such a legend of, of the, of the art. And, and I, and I really do, I say art because I really feel that precision rifle, it, it is a martial art. I mean, it, it's not in the sense of like what typical martial arts is, but I think gunfighting is most definitely a martial art. No, it, it takes them is discipline. I mean, like anything else, if not more. 
to get proficient at this thing. And, uh, it, it is a martial art. And, and you, I think you guys are, are mate, you're like walking, living legends. You may not know it or agree with that yet, but time, time will tell that story about, about what you guys have done and are doing. And, um, yeah, I think history will be kind in this genre of shooting to you guys. And uh, I think, um, that your work is going to go beyond the years that you're participating in it. Well, I so appreciate you guys, that, you guys are fucking killing it. In other words, thank you. Thank you. Thanks man. man. That, 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 that really, that really means gracious. a lot. Yeah, dude. Fuck. Got me. Feeling I just, all uh, yeah, funny I, inside, dude. I know. I, I just love to, I just love shooting and well, I always tell people for me, my passion is teaching and uh, I just so happen to be able to teach my hobby. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, I, I love, I love seeing the, uh, the light bulbs. I love, uh, being able to find creative ways of communicating that information. And, um, I think it just, it just so happens that I'm able to teach what I love to do on the side. And, you know, that hobby at one point in time was my, was my lifestyle, um, of, you know, being a sniper quote unquote. And, and, um, you know, it's funny the last couple of classes I've told my students, because I, I feel I feel this way, you know. I identify more now as a competitive shooter than a, than a sniper, right? Because like because I'm not. At, Kayla and I talk about this all the time, you know, when we're in uh, um, our Airbnbs and stuff like that. It's like because we're not actively in that role anymore of like you know hunting people and and you know in that mindset. It's like you know I identify more as a competitive. I know what it takes to be a military sniper. And, you know, I can relate to the level of being at one, but I'm no longer there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm using. No, but you're training them though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using as a competitive <laughs> shooter now, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times, right, when you look at a lot of like high level units, they actually get a lot of like dedicated training from competitive shooters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, so, and mental coaches too, like, like mm-hmm. Lanny Basham and stuff. I mean, he's he's never... Uh, you know, never served a day in his life, but yet he has had more hands-on experience with tier one units from all over the world than most guys that are in uniform. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, you're not a, 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 like you say, a billeted sniper anymore, but no, you, you are the types of guys that those people go to after they've had their training from the military to go to the next step, they come to guys like you. So you are, you know, essentially creators of snipers and you, you were while you were, but both of you were while you were in uniform still, you were creators of snipers. And now you've just done the natural progression of going from that uniformed creator of snipers of taking like the base of the babies, you're taking them as infants and, and, and helping teach them their first steps. And, and what you're doing now and, and the, the training you're doing now is you're teaching them how to run. And so you, you have yeah. to look at it that way. No, you're not getting paid by .gov and no, you're not wearing a uniform with your name on it, but you're basically taking those, those kids and teaching them how to run mm-hmm. as opposed to what you did before was teaching them how to, from crawling to walking. So you need to look at it that way. I mean, yep. the competitive, the competitive side is, is just that's small potatoes compared to, 
So what y'all do, it's a tool on a weekly basis. It's a tool to, to allow you to see, I believe that it's a tool that, that allows you to see what is currently capable with a precision rifle in the hands of somebody who knows how to use it. Yeah. And it's not like you're teaching someone how to play fucking tennis either. Right. Yes. I mean, think of essentially what it is that you are teaching, what you're teaching. You're teaching someone the ability to possibly save or take life mm-hmm. from a long ass ways away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not when you said it's your hobby. Yes. We have created it as a hobby. Sure. In the sport that we play in, but it essentially at its roots, what it is, it's not tennis. It's not, you're teaching someone how to play fucking golf. Yep. You know, this, that, that uh, something that essentially in the grand scheme means absolutely nothing. No, the thing that you're teaching means something very big to somebody, whether it be good or bad, depending on the person on the receiving end of it. Now and into the future. That's right. Indeed. That was, that was very well said, man. That's, we're going to use that as a fucking recording right there. We're going to use that as a motivational speech. I'm, I look, I'm, I'm here all week, man. <laughs> well, I we mean, appreciate I you. Mean, I'll be in the area all day. We definitely appreciate you, David. And, and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you not only as a, as an, another enthusiast, but someone that, um, just, you know, that tells it how it is, you know, and, and, um, uh, we appreciate you just being you, you know, it's, it's always nice that I would say a lot of our conversations on the modern day cyber podcast are pretty serious sometimes, you know, cause Kayla and I definitely like to dive into, you know, rabbit holes on rabbit holes. So it's a nice getting a new breath of fire. I mean, when we did your, your, uh, just seven, seven, that was, that's probably the most fun I've had oh, on we had the a podcast. Blast, man. That shit was I just hated y'all's internet sucks so much. Oh, it did suck it so was, bad. Your internet was shit, it but was it so was bad. still an awesome podcast, man. Yeah. It was literally it was, you walk out the door of that Airbnb and you got like instantly full service. It was just the way there was some old stucco shit. I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. I loved it. It was still one of my favorite episodes to do and we're, we'll do it again soon. And I, I loved it, but no, you can't cancel me. I mean, I'm nobody. <laughs> and so my, my opinion is, is means nothing. So I mean, I mean, really in the grand scheme, I have no uh, political or uh, social influence on anybody. So you can't cancel me and I don't care. You can try. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't matter. So I'm, you know, I, at the end of the day, if someone's like, doesn't like what I have to say, then well, what the fuck are you going to do? I mean, you don't write my paychecks. Um, right. That's right. You know, so <laughs> it's, what do you, go ahead. But um, no, and I, I just, I think there needs to be more, I think there needs to be more people who don't really give a shit. And I, and I don't, I, I don't, I'm, my bucket of fucks is all out nippy. I don't have any more. And it's, I think, I think that that may be a fresh air to society. Um, and, and that's why I cover, that's why I cover so much different shit on my podcast. It's not just precision. It's, it's obviously precision rifle centered and oriented, but man, I'll go talking about aliens, fucking politics or whatever else. And just give my opinion because at the end of the day, I don't really care who's listening. Um, and what they they disagree with me then they i hope they do and that's fine that they do and um the uh, you guys the podcast that you do is uh it's where you go when you want to learn <laughs> my podcast is not that place. <laughs> my podcast is where you go when you want to laugh or you want to 
you hear somebody that wants to say everything that you might be whispering, um, you know, in your day-to-day life, because, you know, I've, I'm self, I don't care. I'm self-employed. Um, if, if you get rid of my podcast, I could care less. Like <laughs> if you somehow pull those strings, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't, I, I, I make no money on my podcast at all. So, um, you know, and it's, uh, but, but the, the modern day sniper, I mean, you've got a handful of podcasts on, you know, on the internet available that are absolute. If you're doing this thing, you need to go there. And because at any given moment on any of those podcasts, there's going to be something to drop and that's going to really a light bulb is going to go off in your head to where that makes sense. And I'm going to utilize that in my game or whether it be like, a, whether it be competitive shooting or whether it be, you know, for you guys, you know, for, you know, I, I can imagine what the ratio of active um, military snipers and law enforcement snipers are, are your, your demographic. And that is, uh, it's a, a complete source and wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, you guys and Frank and, um, and Jacob, of course, is a couple of, you know, you, the, those are the ones you need to listen to. Mine is just, if you want a, a break from fucking, uh, reality is, is what mine will uh, um, appease. So um, you, you guys are killing it. And I love listening. I listen to every episode that you guys do. And I absolutely love it when from the hunting podcast that, you know, you're such a accomplished backcountry hunter, Kalen. It is. And, and you feel you're coming up on it now. And I, I remember when you shot your first fucking deer, dude, I was so boosted when, when you told me that you had sent you shot, uh, shot your first deer. I was so fucking boosted. Dude, I'm and fucking and you, I know, you know, this, <laughs> I know, dude, hooked. that's what it does, man. And I know, and I know, you know this, but your counterpart here is a, a, a fucking a killer. Mm. So you know, you've got such a wealth of knowledge here that you could just dive into anytime you want to. Um, or whether it be your, uh, whether it be Cody or, you know, any of your other, uh, military, um, counterparts that you guys have on, I love listening to it all. You both have so much to offer the pot, your podcast and, and to your listeners. And it's, I, I, I love, it. I'm, I'm your biggest fan. I mean, I, I downloaded your first one as soon as y'all dropped it. So it Thanks, was, man. you know, it's, it's been an awesome journey as a listener to you guys. Um, since the beginning so you, know, you guys just don't don't stop this y'all got something good going on and you know i was so happy when you called me and, and said that you were no that's not true i actually texted you when the news kind of before it really broke about uh gun works and stuff i was like dude work for you do your thing work for yourself man this is your time this is your time to shine and get out there and what did what what did i tell you in that conversation phil what what bomb did i drop on you you remember uh so it had to do something about being my own boss right i said if you can't invest in yourself oh yeah that's right yeah why would anyone else invest in you yeah yeah if you can't find it worthy to invest in yourself, why should anybody else? Yeah. And that's what you've done. And you've, I'm so fucking proud 
of, on the business side of like the professional side because you're fucking killing it, dude. Because you were in a spot, you had just bought a house. You had just bought a house. Um, you and you and Zoe moved into, and I, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's a weird time for that to change. And then when you said you're doing this, I was like, "Fuck yes, dude! Fuck yes! Keep it going. Let's go!" Right on, man. And that's you've been you've been killing, and doing good, right there, man. That's coming from my dumb redneck ass. No, that's fucking cool. That's super fucking cool. Oh man, yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah, we got some really cool stuff coming too, David. That uh, you're gonna enjoy, and it's not—it's like a whole slew of shit. It's a whole slew of shit. All right. Well, I'm gonna be listening to it just like everybody else is. I'm excited. Right on, man. Well, thanks for your time, David. This was a blast. It always is. Thanks yeah, it's always a blast. On, we and, need to do this. We need to do yeah, this. And, we'll do this quarterly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude. Look, just let me know. I'm yours whenever you need it. And uh, we'll, like I said, I got to get you guys back on mine too as well. And, I mean, it's, there's endless things for us to talk about. So, um, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And uh, I can't wait to do it again, guys. Awesome. But you two have got to come to North Carolina. Period. Yes, we Done. Will. We have Done. to. Yes, we have to. Yep. And then you know what yep. we got to do, Philip? We got to take him fishing with Davo because he yeah. he's not far from that. Because we could that would be fun. That would be a blast. We do two boats. I love it. We will do two boats. If you like it, I love it. All right, man. All right, guys. Hey, this was cool. awesome. Thanks, uh, uh, David. Thanks for your kind words for everyone listening in. Uh, thanks again uh, for. Um, especially, you know, uh, the, the last few matches that I've been going to the love and support out there for our podcast, uh, has been, has been awesome. Um, I'm actually just blown away by the support that we have and the reach that we have. Uh, so we, I, I definitely take a, appreciate the people that do listen to the podcast and, you know, they're like, and I tell them, Hey, come out and introduce yourself. And they do. And that's, uh, that's super cool. It's super humbling to, to meet you guys. And, um, uh, we appreciate the feedback uh, that you guys get from the po- uh, from the podcast. So um, keep shooting, stay safe out there, and you guys all know the drill. Keep facing the gun. <laughs>